on 102.4 FM, across Rotherham, online, on your mobile, and on your smart speaker. This is Red Road FM. Welcome back to the final part of this week's show, and we are now going to bring you some of our interview with former Rotherham United defender Guy Branson, who joined us earlier this week. Guy talks about his time at the club, winning back-to-back promotions, and the current Millers team, and uh, his aspirations for the future. Kind of throwing all the way back to the start, really, Rotherham, what... What made you sign for the Millers, and what you know, what enticed you to go and play for Rotherham United? We had a, a, a goalkeeping coach at Leicester City called Seamus McDougall, who, who obviously played for Rotherham back in the day. Um, he was a goalkeeper with Breck in the um, the eighties, seventies, and eighties. He's a Rotherham lad as well, and um, he always mentioned that that they liked me, um, but they were in, I think it was like the Conference and Division Three at the time or four at the time, so. I know there was a bit of a, a an interest in me then, but it was, it was probably a year or so early for me to go out on loan. And then I started going out on loan and um, they, they come back in. You know, Shane contacted me and said, look, you know, Breck's been on the phone. Would you be interested? And and I'm like, well, I'll go and play anywhere, really. I wanted to get some more game time in, under my belt. And the game time was so important. They promised that. And spoke with Breck and John, um, spoke with Breck and um, Ronnie. And they sold it to me and, and I, I turned up and, and felt right home as soon as I walked in the door. There were good people about the place. The lads were great to me. Seji kind of grabbed me straight away. Monkey grabbed me straight away. Dave Artell, Dan Hudson. You know, then them four kind of grabbed hold of me straight away, being the young lads. Um, and we kind of went straight on from there and made the first team and we went on a great run. I think it was... Uh, we were 10th in the league when I got there and we started getting in the playoffs and we started like getting up the table when, when things started going well in that first season. So it was brilliant. You obviously speak about coming into that team. There's, there's quite a lot of characters in that team. And I think as a as a Rotherham fan as well, there's it's quite a, a famous era of, of players. Obviously, the, the players you mentioned, the likes of Adam Lee, also Paul Warren, current manager Richard Barker and so on. Uh, uh, like Swales and Macintosh and, and other players. I know there's a countless list that I could go on about, you know, that, that lots of Miller fans will know. Just what was it like coming into that dressing room? And, you know, what was it like being in a dressing room with so many characters, really? You're a bit of a character yourself, obviously, in your career. Uh, just how did you find it in that dressing room? Well, I settled in straight away because of the people that were there, like Polly. I mean, if we're taking it right back to the start, that like Tosh and Swales weren't there, Alan Lee wasn't there. So, they came in the following season. So the characters are already around. We're like Leo Fortune, where's Darren Garner? I mean, everyone had their own little uh, quirk or own little um, personality. So like Dylan, uh, Paul Dylan, Mark Williams, you know, Chris Beach were like big Clifton boys, always in the pub. Uh, Andy Roscoe would, would turn up still from years ago, but still turn up because he loved the Sunday club. And we'd go like, would go and socialise and mix and, and be together as a group. Um, if it wasn't a Saturday night, it was a Sunday night. If it weren't a Sunday night, it was a Monday night. There was always something going on. So when I came into the building, I was living at the Swallow, which is now the Holiday Inn on the roundabout, as you come into Rotherham. And, you know, there's a few lads already living there and the gym was there. So we'd all go to the gym after training. And, and I was already upstairs in the hotel room. So there was quite a vibrant group of lads willing to communicate and, like I said, everybody had their own little thing. You know, if there was always someone quite interesting, even if you sat with them on the bus or randomly, you know, picked a group of lads to talk to. It wasn't um, any clicks. It wasn't, you can't speak to us because we're this or that, which I've been at clubs and it's like that. So 
I came in pretty settled about men's football because I've been around it a few years now. Um, I played in a reserve league that played you really young. And if you cope with men's football as a youngster, you kind of got bumped up pretty quick. So I, I'd played, I think it was senior league at like 14 and coped with it playing senior league. And Leicester got wind of that and told me off for it uh, because I've been playing against men as a, so young and I've been playing up front and scoring goals and stuff like that. So the physicality side didn't, didn't shock me. So when I got into a men's dressing room, I kind of understood what it was about. And I got in there pretty early at 16 when I was at Leicester, 17 when I got in the reserves at Leicester. By the time I got to Rotherham, you know, people doing what they did in the dressing room didn't really shock me. And I think that exposure to certain levels of men's football is, is a great tool to understand where the lads are at. So when I got into the dressing room with the, with the characters and I'd already formed my own character. And I think that's the, the thing a lot of these kids miss and the transition takes longer because they come into the dressing room without that background that that's that similar to mine or, or a variation of mine. And I think that a lot of these these kids that go to these tra- these rooms where they're a bit shocked by what's going on because the exposure's not been there or or safety exposure to it. And some of the lads that I come across when I when I first signed for Rotherham was would shock a lot of people uh, just for the the sheer. The sheer mental states of some of them. I mean, you know, we've got some great characters there, and, and, and I'm being positive when I'm talking about mental states. They were just lovely guys, like, but they're off the wall compared to some of the kids I come across these days and some of the players I meet these days. They were just like borderline crazy, some of them. But we had so much fun in everyday training and so much enjoyment after training that you just wanted to turn up for work every day. You talk about promotion, obviously. I'll take you back to to Hartlepool away. Obviously, you scored the goal that that clinched promotion up into uh, up into Division Two, wasn't it at the time um, when the Millers were in Division Three? Just what was it, what was that feeling like? You know, just to score the goal that you know, to, to clinch promotion. Yeah, I was in good form. Um, I've been been nicking a few goals in training and been practicing on a few routines. We had Rob Scott who could throw the ball a mile, and it was a massive asset because we got balls into good areas. Uh, we played good football. There was no doubt it. Kevin Watson, who played good football. We had Trevor Berry, Darren Garner, can all play football. You know, the, the, these are good These are good, good footballers. If you're talking about them now, they're worth a lot of money in, in, in the grand scheme of things in the lower league. So we, we, when we wanted to play, when we had time to play, we would do. But the, the goal that I scored was from a, you know, a set piece that we were famous for. You know, Rob, Rob Scott would go and dislocate his shoulder by throwing the ball so far. And I, and I knew what areas he to hit. You know, we worked on it in training, got on really well with Rob, and still do, and um, got onto it and flicked it in with me right foot following. It was very close, but I, I was, I'm quite a reactive lad. I'm quite sharp when it comes to reactions. So I knew that it was coming in and I thought, all right, I'll get my foot to this and dobbed in front of a couple of people and just got close to the, uh, the post and flicked it in. And I'll never forget it. And I ran straight to the crowd and everyone was jumping on my back and, it, I, I recently watched it the other day because someone sent it me. But yeah, it's still there's a lot that that game was a big game for us because there was a lot of pressure on it, and um, it was an old my old manager was the manager at the time, uh, Chris Turner and Colin West, my old teammate. So it was good to go and play well against them and score against them. But that goal clinched promotion, which then took us into the Swansea game, which was one-one, and we had obviously the crowd trouble and Paul had lost his life, so I never forget that. There's just so many memorable moments um, 
it's amazing how it imprints on you and, and makes you want more. You know, I think I think people who have never been successful in sport can't understand why they just keep going or let's go again, let's go again, let's go again, because the feeling you get from stuff like you just explained, it's just madness. It's it's like it's that high, it's that that drug you need all the time. And like my missus tells me she's listening and now probably my missus tells me to calm down sometimes when I'm getting excited about certain projects or certain things because it's the build up towards it. And then when the high comes, then you're looking for the next thing. And that's the thing a lot of people can't understand. You've got to go again. You've got to go again. You've got to go again because you want that build up and you want that high and you want that success because it's so damn good because it lasts so long. I'm still talking about it now, 20 years on. You know, this is this is lives with people for the rest of their lives. So why wouldn't you want it again? And, you know, that's why I keep chasing now, even as the loans manager, even as the wannabe manager or wannabe coach that I am. I keep chasing them sports highs and them, them life highs because they're great things to have in your locker for when the times are hard to think about and go again. Just like I said, just going back to the 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 second season with Alan Lee, with Alan Lee goal at the end of the season against Brentford, a, a famous moment in, in Rotherham history, you know, in, in Miller's history, to score late on against Brentford in the 88th minute, I think it was, to, to get promotion, um, you know, the scenes at Millmore after, just what, what ex- explain, you know, the experience of that day and what it was like. Well, we'd had, um, we'd had a few run-ins with, with uh, Brentford before. They were a good side. Um, I think it was Martin Allen's first season as a manager on his own. He'd left um, Reading. Um, we'd, we'd run into him as a, as, a, as a staff member at Reading. And, you know, it was it, we wanted to win. We all wanted to win. He, he had his funny quirks in the in the tunnel before games and stuff like that. So there was that that he'd, he'd big the game up in his in his mistake in his favour um, to try and gee the lads on, and we we'd obviously bit that, and we weren't having them coming to us on our ground and, and taking any points off us. So when it was one one, and obviously Alan cut in and scored the goal, and, and the the nuts environment afterwards because the results had gone our way as well, you know, it was amazing. It was. It was a relief because we we were obviously aiming towards the end of the season where we'd want to get promotion and come into the the mix of teams where we thought, well, we hold on a minute, we're, we're playing sailing now. We we just got to win this game, and, and it, I think when we were asked to turn up and deliver, we did, and we had a lot of fighters anyway to to grind out results and pick up wins, like I said, to you, regardless of performances, which is important of any team. But when we when we played and performed at the same time, we had a good group of lads that when we were singing and dancing, we were hard to stop. And that was one of them performances. Alan Lee was, I'd known him from 14, an Irish boy coming over from Mass to Aston Villa, uh, 14, 15, you know, playing against him in the youth team um, for Aston Villa, knowing exactly what he was about. He was my nemesis in youth football because of, who he, who he was and how good he was at Villa. And I couldn't cope with him. I'd say I couldn't cope with him. We'd have we'd have games where I'd, I'd win and he'd win and we'd go 1-1, one, 2-1, one, one, you know, that sort of stuff. We had, so we had mutual respect. So to know he was coming for Rotherham, I knew how good he was, you know, and I knew what, what his skill set was. So I knew that putting good balls into him to chase and, and rag defenders about because he was a big, big guy um, was good for him. 
And he was just, again, he was just a lovely guy. He was a very different character um, to a lot of us. He's not intense. He was somebody who, you know, would rather play the guitar than play football. Uh, but his talent and his skill set was, you know, like I said, being physical, running around, getting shots off and, and being an handful. And, and he did that, you know, all his career. He had a great career and, and he should be very positive of his career. Looking forward now to, to the to the modern day, to the current Rotherham team. We spoke earlier just before we started about how you know Paul Warren, uh, Richard Barker, Matt Amshaw, uh, Andy Warrington, Rob Scott, obviously, who's had a recruitment as well at Rotherham now. So you've played with and know pretty well the the, the core of the, the the staff at Rotherham United now. Just I don't know how much you've seen of the Millers this year, but what do you reckon to the job that, that Paul Warren and the staff are doing? Yeah, look, it's, unfortunately, the club is a yo-yo club. It bounces up and down, bounces up and down. And um, I think that if the fans can understand that, then you might as well keep someone in as good as Paul in the in the job because you've got a hell of a chance to get promoted next season again if you go down. And you've always got a chance of staying in the division because of the quality that, that Warney and the guys add to it. You know, I think you've got good staff with good lads. I think that, that you've got to understand your position in, in, in the, the, the pyramid in the football league. You know, unless Tony wants to chuck some serious dough at it. Because inevitably you'll get the better quality players. You know, and, and, and that's if you wanna if you wanna step it up at a level, then that comes with serious money and serious investment, unfortunately. And that's the difference. You know, Rotherham can't compete with the Reading uh, wage budget. And the player inevitably will probably go to Reading because he wants to live in near London. So there's all these different things to think about when when, when fans are going on at people and, and and being disappointed, but the lads are pulling up trees to stay in the division. The, the performances levels are there. They work their socks off. They're physically good, and I've been impressed with 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 lots of lots of the performances this year by them. But I've also been, you know, there could be improvements there. And that, like I said to you, that that comes from just unfortunately being able to sign slightly better quality. And you can't just keep going in the bargain buckets and expecting to for lads to win promotions and, and perform each week because it's, it takes more than fancy talks and fancy positive chats to get lads to be better than other people. It, it takes more than that. It it needs the players to be better sometimes. It needs that you, you can't put Usain Bolt against uh, someone who's never ran faster than, than 10 seconds and expect him to beat Usain Bolt because he's he's had a good positive chat or or you know, a good fitness session the week before. It's, it comes from genetics. It comes from attitude and application. It comes from loads of different things. And it comes from them just being slightly better sometimes, you know, as a group. And it's, it's so difficult to keep performing as a, as a group when you're up against it and keep picking up wins every week to keep the fans up in. That's the, 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 the knife edge that Warney's on every week because... You know, it seems like the fans want to turn against him every time they lose a couple of games and then all of a sudden he's the best manager ever when it, when he wins one. So make your mind up, you know, you're either happy with him or you're not, you know. And I think that a club like Rotherham, in my opinion, should be very happy with Paul Warren and what he brings to the table for the football club because he's definitely put them back on the map as a club. And and fair dues to Steve Evans. He, was, he, he did unbelievable for, for Rotherham. So... Since Warney's come back in, there's a feel-good factor about the place. And I think the fans will repay that by going in the stands and paying the money when they get the doors open up. Because I think that, the, you know, 
people want Rotherham to do well and people want Paul Warren to do well because they see him as such a good guy. You spoke earlier about Paul Warren saying that obviously you thought he would always be a, a leader of some sorts. I think when you play with the other the other members of staff now, Barker and Warrington and Hampshire and so on, could you see that that they would be involved in coaching or in, in recruitment, say, for Rob Scott in, in the future at some point? Uh, yeah, look, Warney's, like I said, been well documented what I said about, but Richie's a very clever, clever kid. Um, very serious guy. He was somebody that, that I respected as a player, I respected as a lad. I like, I like him a lot. So I could see him doing some serious stuff. He was always educating himself off the pitch. He was investing in houses with his uh, poor brother, who obviously passed away recently. A uh, real sad story, but there was always something going on with him that he was off the pitch doing. So I was always interested in what he was up to. So I got to know him really well. Uh, liked him a lot. Liked the journey that he took with his coaching. Did very well with England under 20s. Did a lot of work behind the scenes with, with the, the, the FA. And became a coach educator. Became a people who, you know, you could turn to for information about coaching. And Very good coach. I've watched him no end. Um, coach for the club when I've been up to watch the training, um, not recently because of obviously the pandemic, but previous times when Daniel Everson was at the club, um, you know, part of that deal as well, which is great. Rob's, Rob's somebody that's um, very busy, very vibrant, loves being involved with stuff, a similar character to me, wants to keep winning, wants to keep doing well. And, and recruitment's a perfect fit for him because he can put a lot of energy into his data and his information that he's got because he's got a lot of information and, he can use it for the benefits of the football club. Uh, he's got good staff around him. You know, there's there's good people there like Chris Trotter now, uh, Warren Spalding, doing some good work for them as well behind the scenes for recruitment. And they're working on this restricted budget compared to a lot of the uh, championship side. So when they're pulling out certain players and they're doing well for them, you know, you need to respect that as well, that they are working on a restricted budget and have to convince these players to sign for Rotherham if another championship club comes in for them because there'll always be more money on the table from the other club. And also they've got to sell that Rotherham's the place for them, you know, for their development as players. So recruitment's different to scouting. So it needs a certain type and Rob Scott's a perfect fit for that. Um, yeah, the, I I offered my services to Warney when I was out of work and I said, look, you know, I'll come in for free and, and learn off you guys and, and, and grow off you guys. But unfortunately he turned it down, which I was quite disappointed with him about, if I'm honest, because... I said I'd, I'd I'd come and work and coach and do a bit for you and do some defending coaching, but I think um, he had his ideas on getting other people involved he'd worked with, and um, he did that, which was great. But you know, my 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 heart's always with Rotherham as a football club, and, and Morney's a great guy, and I'd, I'd worked for him and enjoyed the the company of Richie Barker again and, and Rob Scott. So yeah, it would have been interesting little foursome as a lot. Um, me grafting with the lads and defending with the lads and doing some recruitment work with Warney and Scotty. And I mean, I'm out watching 25, 30 games a week anyway. So I was offering my services as a, as a friend and, and as a, as a, a, a working colleague to try and keep my, my coaching going as I, as I finished, but then Leicester offered me this job. So I was pretty much boxed off before I even started entertaining, uh, going too deep into trying to persuade Warney into it. But, it didn't work out. One one they missed out rather than the one I missed out, I think. That's it, yeah, definitely. Um talking about just talking about obviously that you 
your coaching, obviously, obviously, obviously your service to Rotherham and you, you did a bit of coaching as well uh, after your career and then going into recruitment now. Just, just what's, you know, what does the future hold for Guy Branson? What, what, what are your aspirations? Is it stay in the recruitment side or would you like to turn into, into coaching, into going into, obviously, in, into managing and so on? Um, yeah, no, I'm learning a lot being at Leicester City Football Club. They've given me different jobs to do because of my background. They know me. As a lad, they know me as a, as a staff member. They know what my work ethic's like and they know I'll do stuff um, to the high high end. So to, to be at Leicester City, I'm very proud of. It's something that, that's really developed into something that I didn't know it would. It was I was going in there to coach 16-year-olds at the first the first point. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the 23s. All of a sudden, I'm with the loans manual. All of a sudden, I'm bumping into Brendan on a regular basis. You know, all these different things, the gaffer, obviously... So all these different things have opened up for me, and you know I'm I'm in contact with the, with the the staff and, and the 23 staff because of the loan lads, and um, I'm managing the loan lads. So if if and when things open up and there's offers and there's opportunities, then you have to consider them because you, I'm ambitious. You know I want to I want to manage people. I want to manage football clubs. I think I've got a good understanding of a football club running, um, and my next project. If I'm to leave Leicester, which hopefully I, I keep getting better projects within the club. Um, if I'm to leave Leicester, it's got to be a big project that I can get my teeth into. And it's got to be within the management and the leadership and the the, the, the high ends of the, the football club and make sure that you know I'm putting on performances with the with a group of lads that, that I trust and want to put into a a good arena and, and a good football club. Because if you can get that all clicking and ticking together, then you can do great things of it. If you if you're at a club that that's struggling for money and that you got bad eggs and it takes you a long time to turn around the the, the, the ship from being in a negative route to a, a positive route. I think a lot of the stuff that goes on in football clubs takes time to change and you've got to make sure that the project's right from the from the off and you can really make positive change. And I've jumped into jobs before where I should have probably done a bit of digging, but needed the money. So I needed to take the work and, you know, it's, it's inevitably bit me on the arse for taking the job, but it's bit me on the arse and made me realise I'm not going to do that again. You know, I'm not going to, just going to jump into the next job that comes along because I need to work. I'm going to make sure that the, the time I take and the patience I have from what I've learned in the past makes me make the right decision next time. And don't get me wrong, the, the, I made some great decisions along the way, but, you also realise that I ain't got to be in a rush all the time to make decisions on on my future. I think things will just take the path because you start to grow up a bit and start to take your foot off the pedal and realise that you're in a good place, which I am. You know, the grass isn't always green on the other side and, you know, you, you keep rushing for something that, that is over there and it might not be over there and you, you end up missing the stuff that's right in front of you. Well, we wish you uh, every bit of luck, obviously, guy, with the, with the role that you're in now at Leicester, obviously, with future roles that, that you may uh, that you may get throughout your career. We wish you every bit of luck with that. And just a big thank you, really, for giving us your time and coming on and giving an insight into what it was like going through your career at Rotherham United. Some great stories there and a, and a great insight into, you know, those glory years for the club. So, uh, thank you very much. No, no, thank you. Thanks for asking me on. And to all the, uh, obviously, the Rotherham fans that are listening in, I had a wonderful time with you as a player. And you still make me feel very welcome. I still can't believe there isn't a picture on me on the wall as you walk towards the stand. But, you know, that's more of a commercial thing, probably scaring the kids away. It's not good for, you know, bring the fans back. So 
Uh, thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And all the Robin fans who are listening, you can hit me up on Twitter and I'll always chat to you guys and girls because it's fantastic to be a part of the success and the history of the, the football club going forward. A big thank you to Guy for joining us on the show this week. And if you do want to see the full interview, it is available on our YouTube channel. If you go check out our Twitter, there's links to the interview on there. But a big thank you to Guy for coming on. And uh, that's sadly all we've got time for on this week's show. Lots of great sport to look at to this week. Good luck to all our local teams. And we look forward to talking about the week in sport with you on next week's show. On 102.4 FM, across Rotherham, online, on your mobile and on your smart speaker. This is Red Road FM.